0: It's Wednesday, February 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Wednesday. Thank you. Even though it's just, it is the, the most miserable type of weather that we experience here in the DC area over the winter, and that is 40 degree rain. It's just, what's more depressing than 40 degree rain? <laughs> I'd rather have the snow. Could, could be a little foggier. <laughs> not much foggier. It's pretty foggy out there. It's not foggy. We, our, our office is right across the street from the George Washington Masonic Temple. and The last time I looked outside, you can't see the top of it.
1: I, I think we're, we're setting a new record for a number of listeners who are tu- tuning out. Who are instantly tuning out. But <laughs> I we... just couldn't possibly be made to care about your weather over there. <laughs> Please! Tell me something about business.
0: We'll get to business. We've got some target Speaking earnings. Speaking on
1: behalf of our listeners.
0: We've got some DreamWorks animation earnings, and they are actual earnings this quarter. But let's start with Lowe's. Yesterday we had Home Depot, today we've got Lowe's. Fourth quarter, sales up 5.5%. This I, I feel like we have seen this movie the last few quarters, and it, and the movie goes like this. Lowe's results are pretty good but they're not as good as Home Depot's that were put up the day before.
1: Yeah, well and that's okay. And so I guess if you're looking at Lowe's today and trying to extract information about how the company is doing by looking at today's stock price move, then you would think this wasn't a particularly good report. And maybe that's a pattern where by comparison at least over the last couple of years that they're not quite up to Home Depot, but they—it's a good, good report, and the stock price follows the earnings over time. And they've had uh, something that, in terms of shareholder happiness, uh, compares pretty well to Home Depot. Not this year, not over the last twelve months. I would say not over the last couple of years. I mean, there were, there was a point in time
0: where. Lowe's was a much better perform much better operator, I should say. They just they just seem to have their stuff together a lot better than Home Depot and it, it really does seem like I don't want to jinx Home Depot and I don't own shares of either of these but it, it seems like Home Depot is on a pretty steady winning streak
1: if you're just comparing it to Lowe's. So I'll, I'll look at the number numbers and over the last three years Home Depot is up 25% a year, which is phenomenal. And Lowe's is up 23% a year. So the perception that Lowe's is dramatically trailing Home Depot over that time uh, is blown up a little bit. I mean, that's 23% per year over the last three years is pretty good. And over the last 10 years, Home Depot has a bigger lead. Uh, but if you go back over the last 15 years, then, then Lowe's, I, Home Depot got a bit ahead of itself into and including the Nardelli era. Uh, and, and then gave up a little ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is
0: this for anyone who is looking at housing and thinking, I want to, I'm looking at my portfolio. I don't really have a lot of exposure to housing or maybe even any. Is this your favorite way to invest in the housing market? Because certainly you can go with a pure play home builder. You know, there there are many different ways to get into this industry, but it seems like certainly in the recent past, you'd be hard pressed than to just have a basket of stocks, and by basket I mean
1: just Home Depot and Lowe's. Yeah, they've done really very well, and I think I'd rather own them than the home builders. Uh, speaking as somebody who helps run a mutual phone, uh, fund that owns a home builder and has just watched it go nowhere. Uh, even though homes are being built. And this particular company uh, has had a good run over the last three years, but not in the stock market size. And Home Depot and Lowe's both uh, have rewarded shareholders, have built their business, uh, have a number. One of the things I like about what Lowe's is doing, they've bought back a lot of shares over the last uh, Ten years, and that at times was a better use of their money than throwing up more stores. Uh, once the housing market softened a bit, and that's that's worked out well for shareholders. This last quarter, they've they're doing things right. they Home Depot put up what was it, seven percent, nine percent comps, uh, just under nine percent comps in the U.S. Right, and so Lowe's has just had five point two percent comps, which is very good, and. Follows a good year, of the previous year, and as we're pointing out again and again, it's not quite Home Depot, but boy, is it a good number if it looked in isolation. Let's move over to Target
0: uh, fourth quarter profits, and maybe this was to be expected. Uh, fourth quarter profits hit a little bit just because of all the discounting they were doing over the holidays, but. I look at the numbers they're putting up, and directionally, they didn't put up an amazing quarter at Target, but directionally, just about everything is going in the direction you would want it to go in, in terms of same store sales, in terms of e commerce, in terms of customer traffic.
1: Yes, they had a good quarter. Their same store sales were up, I think, 1.9%, and that's pretty good. Their online was up 34% year over year and that's an acceleration over the third quarter, which was up 20%, and if you're improving in the fourth quarter for retail, that's a good time uh, to be getting things particularly right, which they did. So, they've also benefited from the deal they had with CVS to sell CVS all of the in-store pharmacies, got a couple billion dollars from that, and now CVS is, is running those stores. So, the total sales numbers for Target look down. Uh, Compared to what they were a year ago, because they're not getting those sales themselves, they're giving those sales to CBS, but they've already pocketed the money from making that deal. So uh, everything is seemingly going in the right direction, more so than with Walmart, uh, which I think we talked about recently. And the only thing that was not going in the right direction, is, as you mentioned, was the margins, and yeah, you know, they've got to be very competitive. To get those online sales, you just you can't have great margins and do great online business.
0: But do you think that they are? I mean, we see this with retailers over the holidays frequently, and it's a, a pretty well-known play in the retail playbook. It's let's do some big discounting to get people in the door, give them a good experience and we won't have to do as much discounting in the future, certainly not in January or February, to the degree that we're doing in December, it seems like, again, I don't want to jinx whatever numbers they're working on for their current quarter, but it seems
1: I I don't think you'll jinx them. You don't think so? No. Okay. (laughs) I'm not imbued with those powers. I don't see the cause and effect that you're trying to make here. Uh,
0: I'm, I'm just wondering if they have in fact set themselves up from an operational standpoint where hey, we got a lot of people in the door in December. They had a good good experience. That sets us up for a, you know a good experience in February, March and beyond.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the the margins were not hit dramatically uh, over the last quarter and so they, they weren't over discounting. Uh, there you could, if you're a pessimist, if you're a bear, You're short, whatever. You could look at uh, 56 basis points down in the margins and say, I think that's going to be a problem. If that's how they're getting the people in, they're giving up the profits on these sales. But it's really not enough of one, I think, in this particular case, given. The comparative strength that they have had against their main competitor, being Walmart, um, so I, I think that it was a, a good quarter. The market's reacting positively; it's up three percent on a down day in the market, and I think that it is a company which has had things to turn around from and is is doing so.
0: Lowes and Target, as you indicated, two stocks moving a few percentage points here and there, but in terms of percentage movement. The big stock today is DreamWorks Animation. Shares up 20% this morning after a surprising fourth quarter, putting up a profit, and it helps that the year-over-year comparison is the fourth quarter of last year when they put up a loss. Um, They only put out one movie last year, and it was in the first half of 2015. What's driving this quarter?
1: So It's a very lumpy Company, uh, the quarterly numbers are entirely affected affected by the one movie. Uh, uh, there's there's a business underneath the lumpiness, which is a little bit more stable, and they're building it up. And it's the, it's the TV side, what they're selling to Netflix, the library, and uh, what they are producing for uh, direct uh, to video. Uh, and they're beginning to make better. Judgments on that, and they're beginning to have some success. Uh, but it's still a hit driven business. And the last several years so DreamWorks, I don't know, do you remember when it came public? No. So it came public in 2004, and it's still below the stock price that it opened at.
0: Wow. That's hard to pull off and still be a public company.
1: Well, they. Begs the question of why they needed to be a public company in the first place, and I think the answer is because they could. And Pixar had put the set the stage very well. Oh, these these uh, computer animation companies, and there will only be the two of them forever. Are are both awesome. Uh, although at the time, I don't know if you r- remember what they opened up with at, at DreamWorks. It's not an all star lineup of of their first several movies. Wasn't
0: Sh- is Shrek? And the Shrek franchise, is that not their first?
1: That was their fifth and eighth movie. They opened up the day before their ninth movie opened, Shark Tale. Ooh, wow. And preceding that were such memorable films as Ants, The Prince of Egypt, The Road to El Dorado, Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, when is the last time you watched any of? When is the last time that anybody you know watched any of those?
0: Well, as long-time listeners know, I have human children. We watch animated movies in our house. Never seen any of those. Okay, not seen a single one you just mentioned.
1: But they also had Shrek and Shrek Two, which were huge, and that underlines the story here, which is this is a hit-driven enterprise, and you can take. One hit, and you can drive it into the ground over a number of years by making all the sequels that the market will allow you to make. And they actually got on a little bit of a roll uh, for a little while there. The uh, Shrek Two, Madagascar, and Kung Fu
0: Panda Three in the theaters right now. Kung Fu
1: Panda was a hit, and so those, and How to Train Your Dragons, and they've had enough. Uh, franchise opportunities that that has kept them moving forward, but but not really building a, a bigger business over time. They, they've when they even when they have a movie that costs as all of them seem to cost about hundred and fifty million dollars, and even if it makes around three hundred million globally, that's a big loss. That's a big write down. So the Croods is the last sort of successful new title they've had. Uh, but last year at this time they were writing off Mr. Peabody and Sherman and as well, as well they should. Did you see it? No.
0: It looked terrible.
1: I I so it I believe it got good reviews. Pretty good reviews, but from an audience of of reviewers that probably remember the, the original uh, Jay Ward. Is that the I think one? it was Jay Ward, Jay yeah. Ward. The original uh animated TV series yeah fractured fairy tales yeah and Mr Peabody and Sherman and but not and not something a, a very pun driven uh script and that doesn't necessarily translate well to foreign languages not as easily as scripts without puns
0: I would argue that puns don't do all that well in English but
1: well but Mr <laughs> Peabody and Sherman was pun driven and you have fond memories of that from your childhood
0: fond enough yes
1: <laughs> so uh-huh. kung fu panda three out now and that's yeah, you know, it's doing well. It is not part of today's numbers, so a good report for DreamWorks. But this is a company that has bounced around uh, without really creating shareholder rewards.
0: One point I want to hit on regarding the sequels, because um, it, you know I've I've seen I've I've read the comment and I've heard the comment about DreamWorks. It's like, well, they're just you know that's all they've got is sequels. And they, they don't, you know, they're not Disney. They're not Pixar. Um, and it, it always reminds me of the story of the making of Toy Story 3. And uh, lest anyone think that the Walt Disney uh, Corporation is anything but a profitable enterprise and is run as such. But when Disney bought Pixar, uh, the short version of the story goes like this. Uh, the Disney executives go to uh, John Lasseter and the team at Pixar and say, uh, "You know, uh, what about a Toy Story three? Uh, that you know that that could be good, and you know that would make some money." And Lasseter and his team are like, "No, no, no, we we don't want to make that. We've kind of said all we want to say. With the, you know, Toy Story two ended on a nice note, and and it, no, we're good." And and Disney's reply was, "Oh, okay. Well, uh, we'll we'll find someone else to make it." And they were like, what are you talking about? That's, that's I was like, well, no, 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 you, you made the first two, but the Walt Disney Company owns the property of Toy Story, and so we will get someone else to make a Toy Story 3. We'd love you guys to make it, because you guys made the first two. We, we, don't get me wrong, we'd love for you guys to make it, but you know, if you, if you want to pass, that's fine, we'll get someone who's not quite as good, and, uh, and that'll be that. And that's how we got Toy Story 3, and that's how later this year we're going to be getting Finding Dory. And, and Toy
1: Story Four, yes, soon. Com- coming down the line. But these things are are things, of course, that the audience wants if they're done well. Absolutely, if done well, and Pixar and Disney have whatever their differences may have been on on the first uh, go around for sequels. They've done a reasonably good job. I, I'm interested in seeing Finding Dory. Absolutely,
0: I'm. I, I'll be there. Will you? Not with you, but I'll no, be there with my kids. <laughs> Uh, DreamWorks Animation, we have the Academy Awards this weekend. DreamWorks Animation not up in the category of Best Animated Film, and bet every dime you have and are interested in betting on the Academy Awards, to the extent that anyone is, that Pixar's film, Inside Out, will, will take home the statue for Best Animated. But uh, I was talking with our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd. When you look at the Best Original Song category, I I had it had been my intention uh, just as in December we had holiday theme music as outro music. It was my intention that this week we'd have songs that had won best original song in the Academy Award, and then I forgot about it until this morning. And then I went to Dan and said, "Oh, can we you know can we get something?" And and Dan is a, Dan's a DJ. Dan's a musician. Dan I, I trust Dan implicitly when it comes to music, and so he looked over the list. And he picked out from the mid nineteen eighties uh, the song from Top Gun. Top Gun nominated for four Academy Awards: Best Sound, Best Sound Effects Editing, Best Film Editing. It did not win those three, but it didn't win. It did win Best Original Song, Berlin. Take my breath away. What was away.
1: the basis of the selection?
0: The basis of the selection, I think it was just me just saying. Songs
1: which annoy me? No,
0: no, no. It was Academy Award winning songs.
1: But but there are, it's a large uh, realm that you can choose, even if you're just restricting yourself to winners. Yes. I say why not play a good song for your audience what well, what would you go with what would you recommend
0: and we'll take this but, but
1: i don't think that it has to be winners first of all let us agree that the playing of the songs during the oscars is the biggest waste of time during the show no i don't agree with that at all
0: not at all uh, the biggest waste of time during the academy awards broadcast is the fact that awards like sound effects and sound effects editing which are technical awards are given time on the main broadcast.
1: Okay, so, of the five songs played during the show last year, which three were your favorites? <laughs> don't touch your computer! Don't look up what they were! Uh, I,
0: I, I, I'm i not saying it's okay I'll a- tell
1: you, I'll expand this <laughs> to the last 10 years. What, what were your three favorite songs that were played during the, the Oscars? That's 50 songs to choose from. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with
0: well. Last year was it last year that the song from the Lego Movie "Everything Is Awesome"? That's a catchy tune. It's a pretty earwormy. It's an earwormy kind of song. Sure, Uh, I'm. uh, I love Peter Gabriel's song uh, "Down to Earth" from Wally, which was nominated. I believe John Legend was the person who sang that. And a song that I know. I know you're a fan of the movie, but Adele's rendition of "Skyfall" was not a waste of time at all. That woman can sing. So, those are three. And you know what? Maybe later in the week, we'll crank out a song. We'll take it under advisement. But this one, I, just, I said to Dan, hey, just pick something from 1970 I was, on. I was hoping. Let, let's we, not go deep into the archives. I was
1: hoping that you would go with uh, the song from uh, Christopher Guest's movie. Um, a Mighty Wind? A Mighty Wind. Uh, what It was the song um,
0: A Kiss at the End of the Rainbow. Kiss at the End of the Rainbow. Which was written by Michael McKean. We talked yesterday about uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, and on the show, one of the actors is Michael McKean. And Michael McKean and his wife, Annette O'Toole, wrote that song. And I remember listening to an interview one time when he was talking about how surreal it was, not just to be at the Oscars, sitting in the audience as a nominee with his wife, but looking across the aisle at Elvis Costello, who was one of the other nominees, and just sort of like, hey, uh, what do you think? And in fact, neither of them won. Um, So, you know, let us I think it's safe to assume that um, to the extent that anyone is still listening, and to the extent that you listen to this later, you won't be listening to the outro music.
1: Uh, Well, I may, uh, just to sort of hate I guess. I know.
0: <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about in the month before we have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Forward. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.